So we're in the middle of a series right now uh, called Vital Christianity, a Study of James. And so we as a church together, we're studying the book of James. And James is an awesome book. It is just packed with powerful scriptures. Um, I think it's probably, um, it should be one of the most memorized books in the Bible where there are just so many chunks of scripture that we can claim, memorize, apply, know, and then and then use it. You know, use it as weapons against the enemy. Use it in declaration. Use it to, to bring strongholds. Use it to strengthen ourselves and to strengthen others in the Lord. Uh, last week, Kara included uh, one of those great scriptures, um, James 1, 5, and 6. Uh, but if you, any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all generously and without reproach. And Kara had a great point uh, about without reproach, without taunting, without ridicule. Our God doesn't demean us. We, we can go to him with vulnerability and say, Lord, I lack wisdom. And he responds without any taunting, going, Shh. no sucking of the teeth and rolling of the eyes with God. But here's the thing, guys. When we quote five, we have to quote verse six. We have to go to verse 6. It's not enough that we just know verse 5. That's incomplete if we don't take it a step further. But he who, but, but he must ask in faith. But he must ask in faith. So it says, if we ask, it will be given to us. But he must ask in faith without any doubting. For the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. That's key, you guys. Too often we're too careless with the Word of God. We're too careless with throwing out Scripture, and, and we, we kind of get it. And we kind of get it because we've half-heartedly studied, or we, we've lazily applied the Word of God to our lives. So half the time we're quoting Scripture, half the time we're quoting Yoda, we're quoting Vince Lombardi, you know, we're quoting the Iron Chef. I don't know what we're doing. You know, we're like, do or do not, that is no, there is no try. You're like, that's in Isaiah. No, that's Yoda. That's not in Isaiah. There is, you know, there is no I in team. <laughs> I don't even know who said that, but it's not Scripture. But when we have Scripture, when, when, when we quote Scripture, it's a powerful weapon. It's a tool against the enemy. It's an offensive tool, the word that we carry, rightly dividing truth. But oftentimes we're careless with it. You guys... It's important that we accurately quote Scripture. And to accurately quote Scripture, we must study it. And we must let God's Word go deep into our hearts. How many of you guys have quoted this before? And my hand is raised because I have done this. How many of you guys have quoted this before? God will never give you more than you can endure. Raise your hand if you've ever quoted that. It is not scriptural. It is not scriptural. It is not found in Scripture. And you know what happens? Then we come across something that is found in Scripture that contradicts that, and the end result are some crazy things. Let's read 2 Corinthians 1, 8 and 9. We think you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters, about the troubles we went through in the province of Asia. We were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure. And we thought we would never live through it. In fact, we expected to die. As a result, we stopped relying on ourselves and learned to rely only on God who raises the dead. 
boy, that sounds awfully contradictory to what I just quoted. Now I'm confused. That is the result. When we misquote Scripture, that is the result. When we quote Yoda instead of Paul, that is the result. What is, that? What is the Scripture that we misquote? 1 Corinthians 10.13 says this. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. He will not allow the what? The temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, He will show you a way out so that you can endure. That's what the Scripture says. It doesn't say God won't give us more than we can endure. If, if God... Because you know what? In that scenario where God doesn't give us more than we can endure, then why do we need God? That's what Paul said. That's what Paul said. We thought we were going to die. It was more than we could endure. And we learned not to rely on ourselves, but on God. Guys, this, this passage of James, you know, this, this book, every, I mean, just flipping through, it's like the whole thing's highlighted in my, in my iPad here, in my Bible. It, it's so good. And so much of it we can apply. But let's, let's not be lazy Christians. Let's, let's know what the Word says and then let's confidently stand on it. No, I know what the Word says. It says this. Let me check. Yes, it says this. And then we can stand. And we can stand firm. You guys, when we, what a confusing thing. Well, this loved one passed away. Well, the Lord won't give you more than you can endure. You guys, let's eliminate the Christian catchphrases. We're crying out loud. What is, how is that even... That's when we use it, right? That's when we use that verse, when someone's going through a horrific thing. How does that comfort anybody? It's not even scriptural. So we just we just sound like jerks. We do. We just sound like jerks, like pompous. I don't know. That's just how I sounded, I guess. We must study God's Word. We must know His Word. And let's not do the half quotes, Amen. So as we study this book together, man, let's, let's apply it. And I'm not preaching this series. We're going through this series, and then I'm just facilitating the discussion. That's, that's what we're doing. We're studying this together. It's a small book. Okay? It's not like we're doing Psalms. But let's, let's devour it, and let's learn it, and let's apply it. And let's not be lazy Christians. Okay, guys? Amen. That wasn't even my sermon. That was a freebie. That one was just free. So let's turn to James chapter 1. We're going to just cover 9 through 12 today. Um, I tell you, I, I wanted desperately to to stay on the topic of wisdom. Um, and James chapter 3, just since we're studying it together, I mean, there's no sense, you know, saving the big surprises. Let's study it together. Man, James chapter 3, when, when we get there, we will, trust me, we will camp on wisdom. Because it outlines what wisdom is. It gives you some very practical things of what godly wisdom is. So when we get to James 3, I'll elaborate. But for now, um, Kara, Kara did it good last week, and, and we're going to get to 3. So we're, we're here at verse 9. So let's read this together. But the brother of humble circumstances is to glory in his high position, and the rich man is to glory in his humiliation, because like flowering grass he will pass away. For the sun rises with a scorching wind and withers the grass, and its flower falls off, and the beauty of its appearance is destroyed. So too the rich man in the midst of his pursuits will fade away. Blessed is a man 
who perseveres under trial. For once he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Everybody feel warm and fuzzy now after reading that? It's not one of those that makes you feel warm and fuzzy. If you're poor, celebrate it. If you're rich, it's not going to last. Congratulations. It's not one of those feel-good passages. But let's, let's just go through it. Let's dig a little deeper. So let's read verses 9 and 10 together again. But the brother of humble circumstance is to glory in his high position. And the rich man is to glory in his humiliation. Because like flowering grass, he will pass away. Here's the good news. Let's focus on what the good news is. This faith we have. This Christianity that we walk in and that we we use as a defining characteristic of who we are as a follower of Christ. It brings dignity. It brings dignity. It brings dignity to the poor and to the not so influential people of this world. And that is good news. Where should this dignity be most apparent and most obvious? In church. This dignity of being a follower of Christ and the boundaries of our socio-economic position should be most obvious in this place. No favoritism. No favoring the rich above the poor. We'll get to that at another time. There's a dignity that we have because we are followers of Christ. And God's church is a place where there should never be any distinctions in class. You are honest, or you are honored, regardless of your amount of money. You are honored, regardless of social standing. That is good news. All believers share the dignity of being transformed by the completed work of Jesus Christ. We all share that. I don't care who you are. If you have been transformed by Christ, you understand the celebration of life. We have circumstances in life. Hard. Easy. Everywhere in between. But when Christ is the center of our life, Christ is the center of our life. And not these other things. All believers share the dignity of being called and trusted with the mission of carrying out the good news. Of taking the good news to everybody. I promise you this. You put on a, a t-shirt and a pair of khakis and you know a pair of shoes that you're not afraid to get dusty and you go into Juarez, Mexico. They don't care what, you, what your W-2 says. They don't care how much money you made. You go into Africa, your, your socioeconomic position has just changed. You are rich, my friend. We are all called to carry forth this good news. And there is dignity in that. So when we come into this place, this should be the most dignified place, not some pompous, arrogant you know, religious way, but in the fact that that we have been entrusted with this call together and that we have not been discriminated against because of any of the things that the world says disqualify us. 
whatever our social or economic situation, James challenges us to see beyond it. This is what the scripture is, guys. To see beyond our circumstance and into an eternal mindset. Into eternal advantages. Verse 11. For the sun rises with a scorching wind and withers the grass and its flower falls off and the beauty of its appearance is destroyed. So too the rich man in the midst of his pursuits will fade away. This one's pretty simple. This one's real easy. Tomorrow, when the sun comes up, we don't know what tomorrow brings. We don't know what tomorrow brings. The scorching wind, it withers the grass. The, the flowers fall off. The beauty of its appearance destroyed. When it talks about the rich, man, this just sums it up perfectly, guys. We don't know what tomorrow holds. When tomorrow comes, the day could hold very challenging times for us. That's the honest truth. The day could hold tremendous challenges for us. And things could dry up. A lot of times, prosperity is seasonal, guys. Prosperity is seasonal. But Jesus Christ is not. Okay? What lush and green and rich things are in our lives now could be gone tomorrow with tomorrow's difficulties. And I love... Let's, let's put that, that passage back up, if you would. There's a key phrase there at the end of verse 11. So too the rich man in the midst of what? His pursuits. His pursuits. That's why we live for God's pursuits and not our own. Plain and simple, guys. This is speaking of the rich man's pursuits. It's a rich man in the midst of his own pursuits that will fade away. What we can have in Jesus outweighs the benefits and the life that comes anywhere else. And guys, we've got to grab a hold of that. So I'm just going to be candid right now. I'm just going to ask you to be honest with yourself. What loss would cause you to give up on Christ? What loss would make you so mad and so bitter and so angry and so wounded that you would no longer pursue Christ? That's what this passage is preparing us for. That's what James is being just brutally honest. That's what he's doing. Hey, you've got your pursuits. Your pursuits could be gone tomorrow. But Christ endures. What if all of a sudden, you just had tremendous back pain to the point where you lost your, your work. And then because of that pain, you got addicted to, to painkiller. And then through circumstances, you lost your home. See this brother right here? This is a champion. Because everything I just mentioned is what he has overcome. And he stands here victorious. 
living the next chapter of his life with his eyes firmly set on Christ, with the enemy having cut at him and, and with a hopelessness at times. And it was tough. And it was tough. And he reached out and God surrounded him with a church that loves him and that stands with him. And when he was honest and said, I don't know if I can make it. I don't know if I have the fight left in me. We said, yes, you do, because God's not done. And his faithfulness endures. You're a champion. And you are victorious. And you are an example to this place of keeping your eyes on Christ and not letting circumstances say, that was it. That last one was the last straw. I take my eyes off Christ. You're a hero, man. What would it take? What difficulty that we would endure would be that thing that would say, no more. See, we don't like to go there because it's painful. It's painful to imagine. It's painful to imagine it. You guys, we're all going to have loss. The sun is going to come up in different ways in our lives and wither the greenness of our life in different things. We better have our eyes set on Christ and we better love Him and believe Him and believe that His love will never wither. I've shared the testimony many a times. We were on the verge of our home going into foreclosure. And, and my prayer changed to the point of, instead of going, Lord, I know you're not going to let this happen to us, to going, Lord, if it happens, it happens. My eyes are set on you. Our eyes are set on you. And we trust you. You've got something awesome. This house, you can have it, Lord. We already gave it to you anyway. That better be our approach, friends. That better be our approach on everything. We've got to believe Him that if circumstances aren't what we want them to be right now, that, that we can still keep looking to Him and that there'll be another tomorrow down the road where that things will change. Where that life will come. That's why we pursue Jesus. Plain and simple. He never fades. He never withers. He never dries up. His beauty is never destroyed. We got a purpose in our hearts that we believe the truth of Jesus Christ. And it's not a temporal belief. We believe. And our lives are in Him. And come what may, our lives are in Him. And I trust Him. I trust Him as my healer. I trust Him as my Savior. I trust Him as my deliverer. I trust Him. And my eyes are set on Him. That's what this passage is all about. What you've lost or what you could lose, it doesn't matter. Set your eyes on Jesus and you will have life. Knowing Jesus gives us our high position where we find our true dignity. The enemy attacks with shame. Right? Huge attack with shame. You you did this. You're a bum. Shame. You're not man enough to, to endure that. Shame. 
Well, you lost your job. Shame. Well, you lost your house. Shame. Well, you haven't amounted to anything. Shame. When we see here that God's given us dignity, because our eyes are set on Him, not on ourselves. See, however many people are in this room, there's, there's an equal amount of standards of excellence. And I know just by looking around, there's a lot of perfectionists in this room that have very high standards of excellence. Even, even on your best day, you guys, we're not going to measure up. And on our worst day, that's not an indication of, of our value, of our identity. I went to a men's advance uh, this past summer. And, uh, and there was a story that was told. Uh, Kevin Booth pastors a church out in Norco. And he just used an example. He's like, you know, let's say you're, you know, you're at home and, and all of a sudden your refrigerator goes out. And immediately you're like, what the heck? Really, God? Really? Uh, now we got to find the money for this. I don't. Well, I guess we could take it from this account and be late on these. And uh, all right. Well, this is going to put us back. But you know, we'll find the money. So let's go out and buy a new refrigerator, and and, and we'll ah, somehow we'll we'll make it through. Be like, what if? What if instead of doing that, we said, "Hey, honey, go to the neighbor and ask them. You know that big that big cooler they have. Ask them if we can borrow that." And, uh, and and I'll get the big cooler out of the, the garage. And, and we'll get some ice. And everything that we have, we'll put in these coolers. That, that'll last for a few days. Nothing will go to waste. None of our food will go to waste. And then let's let's share with our home group that, that we have this need. And, and, you know, maybe they know of somebody. But let's just pray. Let's give God room to move. Let, you know, we don't have to solve this. This isn't on us to solve. Let's just trust God. Let's just be patient and trust in God. We don't have to worry about it. We don't have to stress about it. We're not going to lose any food. I'm going to the store to get ice now. Let's see what God does. What if that was our response in the midst of difficulty? Instead of us trying to solve it, us trying to figure out, us trying to be the solution, we say, Lord, you're my solution. What you got? What do you have? You want to come through? I'll give you that opportunity. See, guys, we can't be the ones holding the reins. We can't be the ones that, that are in control of our life because we will, we will hold so tightly the minute there's failure, we'll be broken. We've got to give room for God to move and we've got to trust Him. We've got to give Him the opportunity to show Himself faithful because, friends, He wants to show Himself faithful again and again and again and again if we will trust Him. This passage is interesting. I don't have it highlighted in my Bible. This isn't one of these that I have highlighted. And at first I was like, I'm just going to skip it. <laughs> I don't have to preach every verse. I'm just going to skip it and move on to something more quotable. And the Lord's like, no, there's life in that. So I backed up and I spent time with him. And sure enough, there's life in it, guys. This passage shows us that the poor should be glad. Their riches mean nothing to God. 
Otherwise, the poor would be considered unworthy. Right? The rich should be glad that money means nothing to God because money is easily lost. We find true wealth by growing in our walk with the Lord. By developing and pouring into our relationship with Christ. That is where we find true wealth. When we say, I will let you define me and not my successes or my failures. You guys, your failures don't define you. Your failures don't define you. But neither do your successes. You can't have one without the other. You can't go, well, I'm so happy that my failures don't design me, but I have some really cool strengths. Can they define me? No. No. Christ is meant to define us. I want us to all get to that point where the answer to that question is what would be that breaking point where you would stop trusting God that the answer would be a defiant and a resounding and an abandoned nothing. Not a stinking thing. He is my life. Not just a part of my life. He is my life. And I trust Him. And you know what? Things aren't where I want them to be right now. But I trust Him. And I will endure. And I will press on. And I know that in enduring, there's reward. You guys, souls matter. Souls matter. God's more interested in the things that last, the things that endure, and money doesn't endure. Our temporal success and fame, it's fading. We can't bring that with us. But souls, other people trusting their lives in Christ, we get to bring that to heaven with us but not our riches. Our material possessions, our prized possessions, the things we're saving for, that big purchase we can't wait to make, are those the things that we have allowed to define us and to bring us satisfaction and to determine our worth? And have we have placed, have we placed too much emphasis on those things? And if they were gone, what would be left? I'm serious. If they were gone, what would be left? Would you still praise Him? Would He still be worthy? Would He still be worthy if those things were gone? The things that are so precious and valuable to us, if they were gone, would He still be worthy of our praise? That's what we need to settle in our heart. And that is what we bring to the world. And that is why we can look at every single face we encounter with honor and respect. Not giving someone preferential treatment or the better place in the house, but inviting all, come on in. Let's worship the King together. James chapter 1, verse 12. Blessed is a man who perseveres under trial. For once he has been approved, once he has been shown genuine, once he has been shown that he is not a counterfeit, that he is genuine and true and of equal worth, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. The crown of life. You guys, we've got to care more about the crown of life than we do these earthly crowns that we so treasure. 
and the crown of life, we're not going to get on this earth. We're not going to get in this world. There's other blessings that come with serving the king here. Life abundant. But the crown of life waits for us at the end of the race. And it's for those who endure. It's for those who press on. It's for those who will press through the tough times and say, I fell a few times. I fell a bunch. And I got the scars to prove it. But I got back up and I, I finished the race. By loving Him. By staying faithful to Him even in the midst of circumstances. And here's the beauty. If you're at a place right now where you've, you've fallen and even kind of bailed out of the race a little bit, here's the awesome news. The race is still going on. You can get back in the race. You can get back. You haven't disqualified yourself. It's a marathon, not a sprint. But our eyes have to be on Him, not on ourselves. And once again, through this scripture, we see when endurance has its perfect result, the result is victory. Victory. I don't... Whatever your circumstance right now, if there's a difficulty you're going through, keep your eyes on Christ. There's not a marriage that's going through hell that God can't restore. There's not a hardship that we've endured that His grace isn't enough for. There's not a sin that we've committed that's too big for His love. Not a thing. That's not hyperbole, friends. That is truth. That is truth. That is what we cling to. 